Welcome back to Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. As a military service member, you had access to special benefits and tax breaks that likely helped you save some money during your time on active duty. When leaving the military, you forfeit some of the financial benefits you've grown accustomed to. From thrift savings plans to inexpensive life insurance and BAH, you want to make sure that you know what to expect as a civilian before transitioning out of the military and leaving those benefits behind. In today's show, I'm joined by James Rossi, a Navy veteran and financial advisor with Westpac Wealth Partners. James discusses his military transition, his experience working with a financial advisor at a young age, and gives advice for veterans on how to get their finances in order before leaving active duty. We want to continue to provide topics that are relevant to you as a service member, veteran, job seeker, and beyond. If you have any topics that you'd like us to discuss, or if you'd like to share your story on the podcast, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. If you enjoy listening to our show each week, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening. Hi, James. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Megan. Thanks for having me. Of course. It's great to have you. I was recently introduced to you um, by our Senior Vice President of Recruiting, Brian Henry, and we thought that you would be a great guest for this podcast to share with our listeners your wealth of knowledge regarding financial benefits and what veterans should know when leaving active duty. And I know you have a lot to say about this topic, but before we dive in, can you give our listeners a quick overview of your background? Yeah. um, So I grew up in Texas, a small town just south of Austin. Um, My dad was in the Navy as well. And I was recruited by the Naval Academy to play football. And with my dad being in the Navy, you know, it was just an easy decision for me. Um, I ended up being the team captain of the football team and was commissioned as a service warfare officer in 2007. Um, afterwards, I served for just under six years, um, part-time in Norfolk, Virginia, and then the second half of my time in San Diego, and got out in 2013. Very cool. And now uh, here you are with your current company. Have, was this your first job post-active duty, or what did your career path look like after leaving the military? So this is actually my second job um, after leaving the military. Um, my first job coming out, I was working in medical device sales, uh, which I thought was a great first job for me coming out, coming out of the military. I kind of wanted to get into something where all the weight was on my shoulders. Um, as far as, you know, being in the military, it's all about what you can get other people to accomplish while in sales, it's all about what you can accomplish personally. So that was, I, I wanted to get into sales. Um, either medical or IT, ended up going with medical, and it was a a great experience for me starting out, especially since um, I was fortunate enough to have a manager that I worked for for a little while who was prior Air Force, so he really understood, like, what I was going through as I was transitioning. Yeah, definitely. That sounds great. So you went from being a medical sales rep to um, a financial advisor. So how was that transition? Was there something that made you want to get into the financial industry or did you have a certain passion to do something in particular? I know you do um, some things helping veterans now. So what was your kind of career driver there? Um, Well, the biggest thing for me switching into the financial industry was that, you know, I have, there's a lot more options that I have. um, Whereas in medical device sales, you know, I have certain surgeons that I would work with. And, you know, those are the people that I had to win over. Whereas, you know, being a financial advisor, you know, I get to choose who I want to work with. um, And there's a lot more that 
I can do as far as educating and helping people out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So like I mentioned, we're going to talk a little bit about some financial resources and things that people should know about their um, finances before leaving active duty. Because, you know, when leaving active duty, you're immediately faced with decisions about where to work, where to live. I know that you obviously have been there yourself. So, you know, how many decisions you're being bombarded with when you leave active duty. And, you know, a lot of times when you switch careers, there's a lot of positive change that come along with that. But there are some financial benefits that service members forfeit when leaving active duty. Can you talk about some of those and what some of the main ones are? Yeah. Um, the biggest thing for me when I got out was I didn't realize how many tax advantages that I was losing when I transitioned out of the Navy. Right. Um, so as you transition out, you know, when you're in the military, you have the tax-free BAH, um, you have a TSP that can be Roth as well, so that's tax-free. Um, and another one is if you're from a state that doesn't have state income tax, when you get out, now you have to claim residency wherever you are. Out in California, that was a huge hit uh, as far as having to pay state income tax for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there are things that, you know, that I didn't really. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, um, James. I was gonna say one more thing that you know, is I'm still learning about is kind of the expenses of healthcare. Because in the military, it's so easy, you know, anytime you're sick or if you need to go to the dentist, you can just walk in and show them your ID. And, you know, you're never going to have to see a bill or pay a bill for that, whereas it's, it's a lot more complicated um, in the civilian world. Yeah, definitely. And it's like you said, you're taking a hit because you don't realize a lot of times, I think, when you leave, you don't factor in those costs. A lot of times people are just looking at salaries and thinking, oh, wow, I could make this out in the civilian workforce. But then when you factor in all the other costs, maybe it's not even a pay raise. You could end up taking a pay cut in that instance. Yeah, exactly. So I want to talk, you mentioned a few things. You mentioned like TSP, BAH, um, different tax advantages that you had in the military. So I want to talk about those in a little bit more detail because I think, you know, most of our listeners are service members. So they, you know, they know what all those things are. But I did want you to talk in a little bit more detail and I guess kind of give some insight to our listeners on each of those things. Okay, for sure. Um, so let's start with uh, the TSP because that's, that's a big thing for service members financially. Um, and the TSP that service members receive is a great retirement tool. And one big advantage that they have as participants is they have the option to choose between tax deferred and Roth savings. And moving into a new role in the civilian world, you really, you really have three options. You can leave the money in your TSP account where you will no longer be able to contribute to it, but it would still, still be invested. Um, you can roll the money into your new 401k with your new employer, or you can roll the money into the, an IRA. And the benefit of the IRA option is that it gives you more control of how your money is invested because you're no longer confined by the options available in your employer-sponsored plan. Would you say, just in your own experience, um, and you know, I'm sure you know a lot of other veterans too, do you think that rolling the money into an IRA is what most people do, or do you think the lack of education would cause them to go one of the other two routes? Um, I think it's pretty evenly split. A lot of people uh, will leave their TSP there for a long time. And, and actually, the biggest thing that I see is with military spouses who are moving around just as often and having to change jobs, you know, they might have 
four or five different 401k plans that they've never thought about consolidating. Mm-hmm. And so when you work with veterans to, um, you know, just to make sure that they're getting the most out of their money, do you always recommend them that they're rolling their money into an IRA or are there certain exceptions and things that they should know if they do want to leave the money in a TSP or roll it into a new 401k? No, there's definitely exceptions, um, especially, I guess it would mostly depend on what your employer's 401k entails. And, you know, another thing that people don't really think about a big reason that people roll their TSP and their 401k is because they think that it, there's no fees associated with it. Well, working with an advisor, there is, but realistically, you know, there are fees associated with your 401k that are just built into it. So you're not seeing that money come out of your paycheck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, anything else that you want to share on the TSP before we start talking about the service members group life insurance? Um biggest thing about the TSP is I would take advantage of the Roth option on my TSP. Uh, while you're in, contribute as much as you can to that tax-free savings plan, especially because taxes right now are at historically low rates, right? So most people will believe that taxes will go up at some point. So it's very important to have that tax-free savings plan later when you retire. Yeah, that's definitely, that's great advice. Okay, great. So moving on to the SGLI, why don't you tell us your, um, just give us an overview of it and then kind of what your advice would be as a financial planner. And then we'll talk about some of the more specifics when we get into that. Great. So the SGLI is group life insurance policy for service members. And it insures participants for a maximum of $400,000 and the spouse up to $100,000. So when you transition out of the service, it's likely that your employer will offer some sort of group life insurance policy similar to that. But the amount of coverage can vary significantly. And my recommendation would be, you know, if you have dependents, then you should probably talk to an advisor about possibly purchasing additional coverage, right? Because you want to make sure that your family is protected or your family is okay financially if something was to happen to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So I guess how does it... um... Can you talk about some of the differences then in between, you know, like what was covered um, as part of the SGLI and then what would be different for the civilians in terms of like how much money it would cost um, out of a civilian's, you know, insurance versus when you were in the military? Yeah. So I'm not sure how much the SGLI costs or if it's free for service members, but typically, you know, for a $400,000 policy, which is generally pretty low for most people. Um, mm-hmm. We typically recommend people getting at least a million dollars of coverage, which would probably cost them fifty to a hundred dollars a month. Okay. And we make those recommendations to people, like I said, who are um, head of the household or are income earn income earners with dependents, right? If mm-hmm. if you are not married, don't have any dependents, um, your life insurance policy through work might be enough to cover you. Yeah, definitely. And it's always another consideration, too. If you do have a spouse who maybe doesn't work and doesn't get that coverage through their work, you want to make sure that you've got it on any kind, anybody in your household, for sure. Exactly. Now, um, is there anything else that you want to cover on that one? Because I know BAH, or BAH is a big one that a lot of service members, I think, do not calculate. But anything else that you want to um, cover on the SGLI? No, I think we're good for the SGLI. 
Okay. So BAH, like I said, I think that's one that, so I was, I actually have not served in the military and, um, but I am familiar with the calculations for BAH. And, um, a lot of times I'm in charge of getting employers, um, like or salaries, example salaries of what they should expect to pay a service member in a particular area. So I'll do that based on the military pay charts and then also the BAH. And as a civilian, I am always just shocked at how much, you know, gets calculated into the BAH. So I'm always really surprised by that. And I think a lot of other civilian employers are too, um, you know, when they're setting their salaries and they're thinking what someone's market value, they're not even thinking about their basic allowance for housing. So I think that's something that I'd like you to talk about really from your own experience. And maybe if that's something that you also underestimated and just advice that you have for other transitioning service members. Yeah. Um, so the biggest change to BAH isn't just that you no longer receive it, right? Because as civilian employers aren't going to pay you necessarily aren't going to pay you differently depending on where you live, right? But the biggest change is that now you have to pay taxes on 100% of your income, right? So before you had BAH and, you know, if you were deployed overseas, you may have more tax-free income. But once you transition out, you now all your salary is taxed and you may be paying additional state taxes depending on where you live as well. So when I transitioned out of the Navy, I was a lieutenant in San Diego with a BAH of just over $2,000. So that's over $24,000 annual income that I did not have to pay taxes on. So mm-hmm. for me, that was a, a big hit getting out, right? Because for one, since I was doing medical device sales, my base salary was small because I was expected to earn commission, right? And also I was in California paying California state taxes, um, whereas previously I was a Texas resident and never paid state taxes. So, you know, my first paycheck came in and I thought, oh my goodness, like I need to call my boss and get back in the Navy. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm not going to be able to survive off of this. (laughs) I'm sure a lot of veterans have that initial shock when they receive their first civilian paycheck. It's like once you see all the taxes that are taken out and you think, gosh, how am I going to take anything home from this? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that's what in, uh, and in california i think even if you retire i think even your retire your pension is taxed as well gosh yeah that's i think that's something that it's one of those things that you know when you're leaving the military that you're not going to have the bah anymore but it's still like you said it's a huge piece of your income and it's tax-free so right. i mean it's it's definitely an adjustment getting out and not having that to rely on anymore. So, you know, you said yeah, you were pretty shocked by that. Do you think that that's kind of the sentiment amongst most veterans, especially the ones that you've worked with in the past? Um, I guess there, I'm sure there are people who realize it ahead of time, but for me, it was definitely a shock as far as, well, I knew I'd be paying more in taxes, but I didn't realize just how much it would be. Yeah. And like you mentioned, it's different. Um, A lot of service members, when they do leave active duty, um, will relocate and they'll go somewhere that's entirely different. So maybe they're not familiar with the taxes in that particular state, that area. So it can definitely, maybe you think you know, and then you relocate and it's exponentially higher than you thought it was going to be. Right. Well, you know, keeping all of that in mind, um, was there anything else that you wanted to cover? I know we covered TSP, SGLI, BAH. Were there any other financial benefits that you think are key to consider when you're leaving active duty? Um, well, I don't know if this qualifies as a financial benefit, but and I kind of harked on it earlier, 
Um, the medical and dental is a big one for me um, because mm-hmm. the process and the payment is all going to be new for you, right? Like having to pay for having to pay medical bills is like a new thing for you when you come out of the military. So my biggest thing is I would just make sure to talk to someone in your HR department to make sure that you elect the health and dental policies that are best for you and that you understand how the payment works if you are to use the services. Mm-hmm. You know, and that said, we do work, Orion, of course, works with um, lots of employers. And I think that most of the ones that we work with are in HR and if they're, they value the service that military members bring to the table. They, um, you know, you're very valuable to them. They always want to help and they know that it is a transition and they want to be able to help decode that for you because they know that it's, I mean, even for someone who has not served in the military, starting a civilian job, and every company is different. So a lot of times it is kind of hard to figure out exactly what is going to be best for you and your family. So I know that nine times out of ten, that employer is going to be more than happy to sit down with you and help you work it out. Right. So as a veteran yourself, I know that you mentioned a couple things you were definitely surprised by um, in terms of, you know, how the I guess the tax advantages that you are losing and then also like with BAH, like how much of a cost savings you are going to be losing for that. But is there anything else that you wish that you had known about getting your finances in order before leaving the military? Um, I think the biggest thing is that when you're getting ready to transition, you know, not just months before, but years before you want to start saving up some type of liquid funds. Um, because any big transition that you go through is going to have unexpected costs, whether that's your transition out of the military or buying a house or getting married or having kids, which a lot of those things seem to happen, you know, all around the same time, right? A lot of people are getting out and then all those other things just happen right away. So having liquid savings is a big one for not just for people transitioning out of the military, but for anybody, right? Because the last thing you want to do is, you know, have your TSP or your 401k maxed out, but not have enough money to pay your bills, right? Because mm-hmm. you don't want to have to take money out of those accounts. So one thing that I wish I had utilized better, I started working with a financial advisor when I was 22 at the Naval Academy. Um, I was very fortunate because my roommate's dad was a financial advisor. Um, so I had a Roth IRA set up right away and I didn't really understand exactly how it worked. So I used my TSP more and would put, if I had money left over in my savings, I would put that in my Roth IRA. But a lot of people don't realize that the Roth IRA, uh, you can take money out of it without any penalties up to the amount that you've contributed. So you can take out everything but the interest. So it's a relatively liquid fund that I wish I had utilized more by putting the money in my TSP, which I can't access. Right. Um, did you say you started working with a financial advisor when you were 22? I did. <laughs> I would say you're very ahead of the curve on that. <laughs> yeah, I was very lucky. Um, for for him, there was I'm well underneath his threshold for net worth of his clients, but since he's my roommate's dad, he he hooked me up. <laughs> that's funny. That is that's definitely a good perk to have for your roommate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So how, I don't know if you've mentioned, I don't think you mentioned this earlier in the podcast, but how long have you been with Westpac? Uh, I've been with Westpac for about a year and a half. So I actually, I was doing medical device sales for four years, which, uh, which took me to Pittsburgh and Las Vegas. Um, and then I started with Westpac last summer, summer 2017. 
and that was when I moved back to San Diego. Very cool. So, um, you know, with your time there over the past year and a half, are there any success stories that you want to share of veterans that you've worked with or, you know, even ones that you've heard of since you've been there of other veterans that have made the transition out and maybe have been successful in any of the areas that we've talked about already? Um, well, so I can't share any specifics about my clients, but a large portion of them have been veterans just because, they, you know, that's that's my natural market, you know, going to the Naval Academy and being in the Navy for six years. I know a lot of veterans, so that's, you know, naturally that's going to be a, a big portion of my client base. But a big focus for me is just teaching them about tax diversity because a lot of people don't realize the IRS only allows us to save money in three types of vehicles. You know, you have tax deferred, taxable, and tax free. Right, and it's important that we make use of all three of these when saving for retirement. So when we retire, we have control of the tax income impact on our income. Right, and another big thing is educating them on their decision to buy a home, because real estate can be a great investment, but we want to make sure that they're optimizing their cash flow and paying for the house in the most efficient way possible. Right, I don't want my clients to overspend on a house. I don't want them to put down more than they have to and be house rich and cash poor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you've brought up a lot of really good things here in terms of, you know, advice and even things that you wish that you had known before you transitioned. So it sounds like you have a lot to offer to anyone who's listening and who might be interested in learning more. Um, is there a way that our listeners can contact you if they do want to learn more and maybe work with you to make sure that they're taking advantage of some of the benefits that are available to them? Yeah, of course. I'd be happy to talk to anyone about their finances or about just the hiring process in general when they're transitioning and what, what my transition was like. But my cell phone number is 412-260-6034. And my email address is james.rossi, which is R-O-S-S-I, at westpacwealth.com. Great. Thank you, James. So I know that you had initially reached out to us just wanting to really provide some education around um, the different financial resources that are included when they leave active duty and maybe, you know, give them some tips and advice. So is there anything else that we did not cover that you want to share with anyone who's listening? Um, you know, I think the biggest thing that I would add that's you know, not, not related to the finances is, you know, get – for one, be ahead of the curve, right? So start this process bef well before you are getting out of the military, right? Because you want to go through the interview process a couple of times. At least I know for myself, you know, the first time I went through a hiring conference and I was going through interviews a day, you know, it was, it was very stressful and I don't think any of them went very well. <laughs> but <laughs> my, my second one, you know, I was doing a lot better and it was a lot easier because I, I had expectations of exactly how it would go. So I would just say, get on top of it early, you know, interview with a lot of companies so you can kind of see what's out there and learn more about different industries. Yeah, and just to bring the financial piece back into it, um, it just, it, I, and you kind of said it, it's, it's the same theme throughout the entire um, podcast, but just throughout your entire transition is to try to be as ahead of the curve and on top of things, probably not everyone has had the opportunity to begin working with a financial advisor as early as, you know, the age of 22, but that doesn't mean that it's too late. So you can certainly always, um, you know, contact you or make sure that you're getting your finances in order before leaving active duty, or even if you've already left active duty, it does, it's never too late to do that. Yep, it's never too late to start. <laughs> 
All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much, James. And um, like James said, if anyone's interested in learning more, provided his contact information. And James, I can also link that to your LinkedIn profile if you'd like as well. Yeah, that'd be great. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, James. Thank you, Megan. I appreciate you having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud so that you never miss an episode. We'd love to hear from you, so if you have any feedback, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Our goal is to help all military job seekers through their transition and beyond, so make sure you share our show with your friends. See you next time.